I've learned that the thing that separates the best companies from everyone else is their ability to deliver a sincere, authentic message while maintaining scalable process. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, so in this episode, you'll be hearing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from past conferences. Here we go. Now, this next speaker I'm actually excited to introduce, I'm going to tell a secret. I did not tell him that I was going to say this, and so this is going to be an interesting uh, thing that I'm going to admit in front of all of you guys, so hopefully no one's recording this to put out on social. But this next speaker, actually, uh, I have followed for last few years. And actually, to be quite honest, I got a kind of a little weird thing going on. It's kind of called a man crush. Anybody know what that is? All right. Yeah. So his, so the next speaker in the back is saying, is he talking about me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about you. <laughs> but the thing is, is um, what's interesting is that he took this uh, company, Sales Loft, from 2014 from about four individuals, four employees, to now 200 employees in just about under four years. And it's been some amazing success inside of the organization. And I've seen some of the, the things that they've done and how they've grown. Uh, and so the topic of conversation that we're going to be talking about next is scientific results on how to deliver your customer a better sales experience. So do me a favor, please put your hands together and welcome Mr. Kyle Porter, CEO of Sales Loft. Well, I need a dollar, 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 that's what I need. I need dollar, Thank you for that dollar, intro, I appreciate it. Hi everybody, how's it going? All right, uh, real quick, I love that. Todd and Lucas, there was one thing you guys said that really stood out for me and it was about when your inbound leads come in, and you route those immediately to the account owners on the sales side. We have a saying at SalesLoft, and it was, was first introduced to me by our VP of marketing, that inbound only exists because outbound didn't get to them first. If you know your target accounts, you deploy your team to go after them and get them. And if an inbound comes in, it's because we didn't, we didn't succeed in that effort. So I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Proud Terminus customer. Excited to be here. Also proud to serve the Terminus team and really proud to serve Six out of the eight ABME winners with SalesLoft. My name is Kyle Porter. I'm the founder and CEO of the company. We're going to talk today about some scientific results that we've generated from extraordinary studies on sales engagement. But when I was putting this deck together, I found out that there were so many leaders who were going to be in the room as well. And I wanted to share a recent leadership story about my leadership growth and some of the things that I've been learning over time as we've grown from four employees back in 2014 to now over 300. And uh, as a leader, one of my most important leadership roles in the world is to be a dad. And so this is my daughter, Brooklyn. She just turned four years old, and we live part-time on our tangerine farm and lake house in Central Florida. Now, when I was a kid, I grew up on the lake, water skiing, wakeboarding, barefooting, anything out behind a boat was just my most fun times with my family. And we've had these really fortunate circumstances happen. So I want to show you the Legoland skiers. Legoland in Central Florida is right down the street from our home. And Brooklyn and her mother, April, and my, our Gigi, her, her mother, we've been to Legoland. I've, I've seen this show seven times. And my daughter, when she was two, she fell in love with the Legoland ski show. And she said, I want to ski. And this is like, oh my gosh, my heart is on fire right now. 
So we bought her, I, I brought my ski rope in at night, and when she was two years old, she would stand up on the couch and hold the ski rope. I got a little cardboard paper, I'd slide it across the floor. Then we got some, some trainer skis, and we put them on in the grass. And finally, one day, we went out into the open water and dragged her behind the boat, and she had her first ski sh- session when she was, before she turned three years old. But at the end of the summer, we had a, a bit of a bummer incident. We were skiing last summer, and you'll see from this picture, on the left is her skiing, in the middle is when the skis break, and then on the right is she crashed and landed into the water. I dove in immediately, swam to her, and she was crying, and she said, I never want to ski again. Her heart broke, heart broke big time. So we didn't ski all the end of last summer. And then this summer came around, and she started talking about skiing a little bit, and I was like, okay, let's do this. But as a dad, I've got to be very careful not to push too hard, but I also need to be careful not to, to make sure that I am challenging her, right? So I put her on the skis on the shoreline, and I go to swim out to the boat, and I look back, and she's standing right next to the skis. She had stepped out of the skis. So I go back, and I go, April, or Brooklyn, what's the deal? And she's like, I don't want to do it. And so I go, well, you know, you had so much fun when you did it before. Let's try it again. So I get her back in the skis, go swim out again, look around, and she's out of the skis. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? So I go back, and who has kids in the room? Who's seen the show Moana? Keep your hand raised if you've seen it 18 times. So there's a line in the song. I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to try my best. See, the line in the, the, where the sea meets the sky, it calls me. And no one knows how far I'll go. If the wind in my sail stays behind me, then no one knows how, there's just no telling how far I'll go. And so I put her in the skis and I said, Brooklyn, you see the line out there? And she knows this thing inside and out, backwards and forwards. I said, if you get on these skis and go, there's just no telling how far you'll go. And she goes, like Moana? And uh, D, hit it. So she cruised out and she wanted to learn a new trick, so I told her you can wave. And she waved like crazy. And that's our job as leaders. We need to be nurturing and we need to be challenging at the same time. And so I've gotten this wrong so many times, but I was really proud of this experience. And I take this to the office every day to take my people to another level, but also to balance that with nurturing. And there's a parallel here in sales as well. I've been coming to these type of conferences and events now for a decade. I started the company seven years ago, and we saw in the market that so many companies were recognizing that sales was changing and they wanted to modernize their sales organizations. So they bought power dialers that would call 20 people a second, marketing automation systems and email blast engines that would just blow up the universe with communications, all in an effort to modernize and improve sales. But when you look back at what the results of those efforts were, they haven't really moved the needle. Reps still aren't hitting quota. They're in disconnected systems. They're spending a bunch of time not selling, right? So when we look back on this time, we see, of course, sales was changing, but what was changing more, what was more important, was the change that was happening in the land of our buyers. Buyers, that's where the change was. And CEB tells us that 53% of customer loyalty is generated in the sales experience. That's not brand That's not market perception. That's the sales experience. We try not to lose many deals at sales off, but I met someone at the bar last night who said that they didn't choose us because they got a better sales experience from someone else. That hurt me really badly. And he also said, I think you had the better product, right? So what's the sales experience? And we look, the sales experience is that interaction that the buyer receives. Would they be willing to recommend you to a friend? 
Would they be willing to share about you with someone else? And our buyers, they're just bombarded. Phone calls, emails, whether it's 200 emails in your inbox, your voicemail just blown up with insincere messaging. And so in all of this time, in all of this evaluation and watching all of these great sales leaders, marketing leaders, and companies, I've learned that the thing that separates the best companies from everyone else is their ability to deliver a sincere, authentic message while maintaining scalable process. So you've got to come across and hit the heart on empathetic, engaging, one-to-one, unique, valuable, insightful. But in order to grow and to be a great business, you've got to make it repeatable, scalable, based in science and math. So we knew that personalization and empathy in sales mattered. And we saw great people like John Barrows over here that's been talking about it for a decade. But we didn't have the scientific facts on it. So at SalesLoft, we help companies communicate with their customers. And we're able to analyze all of these communications and mine out which ones are working and which ones are not. So we ran a study where we looked at 200 million sales interactions. And we looked at cadences, phone calls, emails, social touch points over periods of time. We ran the analysis to say, when someone makes a phone call, is there an answer? How long is that conversation? When someone sends an email, what's the sentiment? Do they reply? How long does it take them to reply? Right? Does an opportunity get created? And we looked at the top 100 cadences, not just the ones that were planned, but the ones that were executed. And we started mining out some information. We found some cool stuff like, okay, 98% of the top 100 cadences had phone and email in those cadences. Not just email, not just phone. I know some of this stuff's basic, but we've got math now to support it. And that 80% of the best cadences in the world had phone and email both on day one. The majority of them had the phone call first. We looked at the frequency of touches and we learned that when you had more frequency up front in the cadence, you had a lot more success in that engagement and then tailored it off over time. And then we looked at personalization and we found when you take a templated email and you personalize it, a templated email says, hey, first name, I understand you're worth company and you're doing X, Y, and Z. Those are templates that go in there. Maybe some mail merge fields. Personalization was when you tweak 20% of it with something relevant, something engaging, something unique. By the way, I went on my 10-year anniversary to St. Lucia in March, and when I got back, my wife had a package on the desk. She's a CFO of a $50 million company. We opened up that package, and it was an iPad, like uh, not a real iPad, like a Google iPad, right? And uh, we opened it up, and we hit play, and it was some lady dressed in a suit, looking off to the distance, kind of, reading a teleprompter, and she said, hi, April. I'm so glad that you just had your 10-year honeymoon in St. Lucia. I hope it was well. And we're like, this is creepy. That was a bad attempt at personalization. In my mind, relevancy and insights are more valuable than that type of personalization, right? So meet me where I am, understand my needs and my pains, hypothesize the things I need to solve for my business. That's the type of, of personalization I'm talking about here. But when we personalize, we improve the response rate. We improve the, the, the open rate. And so the scientific findings were... Include multi-touch. Do a phone call and email on day one. Do more effort and more frequency up front and then personalize those messages, personalize them with insights. And so this goes to now prove this concept that many of us understood and understand today that great success in business is a harmonious blend of sincerity and scale. Just like leadership is pushing and pulling or nurturing and challenging. And you'll find in many things in life, the truth lies between two extremes. So let's talk about what these companies are doing now. We've, seen the, we've, we've served 2,000 plus customers, seen the ones that are the most successful, run these analysis, 
And what we find is that the best companies in the world in sales and marketing are taking their go-to-market, and in this case, in many of our cases, an account-based go-to-market, where we identify our target universe. We segment those universes up. We deliver them to reps so that they have ownership, and they program that into a system. It could be any system, a sales engagement system, a CRM system, that then deploys to each and every rep, holding them accountable to the actions they need to take right now and then leverages the results of those actions to improve the process and improve and suggest next steps so that they can continuously deliver the best customer experience. And I've got a few examples from, that customers have shown me that have helped me understand uh, the value of this sincerity at scale. So the first came from a company called Service Titan, and it was the idea of a personalization matrix. I love what they're doing here. So what Service Titan does is they sell to these traditional plumbing, HVAC, and electrical-type companies, and then the personas are owner, office manager, and technician. So that's their market. They want, that's one of their markets. They want to sell to this market. And what they've done is any titles that exist, they normalize them to one of those personas. Or not one of those personas, but they bucket them in those personas. And in their industries, they bucket them into these categories. And the minute that they decide on the accounts, they have these contexts to them. And then when they upload them into the CRM, the system automatically recognizes the persona and the industry, and then routes that to a to-do list, an action list for each and every rep, complete with all of the steps programmed of which phone calls, which emails, which templates, which personalization areas, what information to inject in there. And that way they can get a jump start on categorizing all of their communications that go out to these target accounts. They set these as automation rules so they can see it inside of Salesforce when they meet this persona, when they meet this industry, place them in this cadence that's outbound owners of plumbing companies as an example, right? And they're able to execute on these all day long. They can do it on inbound so that it automatically creates that response to inbound. And they could even say, hey, the the folks at Service Titan, what they're doing is they're even saying, if that account is already being touched by an outbound rep, then go ahead and route it to them and place it in their to-do list so that the inbound response comes from the outbound rep, just like uh, was spoken about earlier. The second thing that we're seeing now is personalization in meetings. Your reps have meeting after meeting after meeting. Last night, I met a company called Sendosa. And I knew of them, but one of the reps stood up and talked about how he set 100 appointments with qualified targets in a month period of time. I was blown away by this, right? So now there's 100 calendar events. And uh, Trish Bertuzzi, if she's in the room, in her book, The Sales Development Playbook, talks about the fall-off rate of those meetings and how you can improve the attendance to those meetings by sending an email reminder before that meeting. And so one of our customers showed us how they have a system that sees all the meetings that are happening and creates a cadence that creates an automated email that will go out right before that meeting at at an interval so it can remind that customer, hey, the meeting's coming. You need to show up. Or uh, now that they've had the meeting, how many times have you had a meeting and not fallen up with the person you met with? I know I've done it a bunch of times. And even though one of my coaches said follow up or fail, I still failed to do that uh, because I moved on to other things. But now this system will say, hey, I'm going to look at the meetings you've had and go ahead and tee you up with the response in your system, just letting you know, hey, it's time to send an email response and just making that a quick, a quick adjustment for you. The last example, and just to get our heads thinking, is anyone aware of this new category that's emerged around meeting intelligence? Anyone seen this? Companies like Gong, Chorus, ExecVision. 
This is such a great capability. What this capability allows you to do is get, it's the ultimate uh, empathy play for your customers. So meeting intelligence allows you to plug into your, to your calendar, see that you have a go-to meeting, a WebEx, a Zoom meeting, any sort of meeting online. It joins into that call, records the conversation. If it's done the right way, it follows the recording laws of the state, records the conversation, records the video, transcribes the conversation to text, and saves it in one place that can be found by any of the reps. The reason? I see reps go into meetings and jot down notes the entire time, never connecting with the buyer. I see reps going to meetings, connecting with the buyer the entire time, never jotting down notes, right? And CFOs say that the number one pet peeve in selling is salespeople who don't listen or don't retain the information that happened in those meetings. So now that's no longer an issue with these because a bottle join, record that conversation, transcribe it to text, store it, and how would you like to have archived text of every interaction your sellers, account managers, customer success managers, and execs ever had with your customers, right? It helps for onboarding. It helps for training and coaching. So this is a new technology that we're seeing out in the marketplace that enables you to deliver a better experience to your customers. And that's really where all of this matters the most. You have customers out there that are having trouble buying. It's difficult to buy software. It's difficult to buy anything. We just signed a lease for 50,000 square feet and three, floors of, three top floors of a midtown high-rise in Atlanta, Georgia, and the furniture people are selling to me like crazy. And I bought furniture a year and a half ago for the first office, and the day I bought furniture a year and a half ago was the most complex day ever in the history of buying furniture. And today is now the most complex day in the history of ever buying furniture because there's so much of it out there. There's so much information, misinformation, product SKUs, delivery schedules. There's so much stuff out there, right? And I'm just yearning as a buyer for my seller to rise above the noise and deliver me an insightful and real experience. And that's what every single one of your buyers wants right now. Our VP of marketing, Kevin O'Malley, he says, yes, yeah, sales is hard. And it is hard because you've got a lot of noise out there. But buying is even harder. He likes to joke, running a marathon is hard, but buying is even harder, right? And so that's what our job is, is to have empathy for the buyer, understand their needs, deliver them with insights. And when we do that, they'll remember that experience. They'll want to work with us over and over again. They'll share it with everyone they know, and we'll be able to deliver them value that will enable us to grow our companies and, uh, and build the things that matter to us. Because without sales, you don't have innovation, you don't have in- invention, you don't build communities, you don't build economies and markets. Sales makes the world go round, and you all have an opportunity to do that. And I'm so excited to be here. I've had a blast meeting everyone. And, and I know everyone in this room, you're working hard uh, to get better and better and better just by nature of being here. And uh, by nature of you being here, I know that, um, that there's just no telling how far you'll go as well. So thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. Ever wonder what happens when you turn down $30 million from Mark Cuban? Or when you take a classic brand like Moon Pie and go totally rogue with their social media. Maybe you've pondered what it would be like to build a social movement around getting people to complete grueling, spear-tossing, mud-covered obstacle courses. Our friends over at HubSpot are launching a new season of the Growth Show podcast and answering questions just like those. It's a weekly show that explores the inspiring stories behind how people grow a business, an idea, or a movement. You can subscribe to The Growth Show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts.